0: God's people said, amen, amen. 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 (laughs) Well, listen, good morning, Windsor Road, and um, I just enjoy uh, the last Sunday of each year because uh, we... We take the last Sunday of each year. We've done this for several years now, and just reflect back on uh, 2013, the the, the year that we've just about ready to conclude. And it's a Sunday of Thanksgiving. It's a Sunday of remembrance. It's a Sunday of looking ahead. It's a Sunday of joy. And those are just some of the highlights that uh, we uh, experienced this past year in 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 the goodness of God. And. We've got microphones here uh, in the aisle, and maybe just right now, um, you know, God's put it on your heart to think about some of the, the goodness that you've experienced that uh, you, you feel would be just encouraging to share with our church family, and we don't get a chance to do that uh, on a typical Sunday, but this Sunday just seems like an appropriate Sunday to do that, and so... Um, The mics are hot. Share with us, how has God uh, been good to you here in 2013? Chris, you're ready. You can come up here. I'll give you my mic. Go ahead. You're fine. Just talk. My name's Chris Harrison, and I'm, I'm grateful to God for giving me Jessica Weaver, for bringing me back to Once a Road Christian Church, and uh, celebrate recovery, and I am grateful for my church home. Thanks, brother. Come here, give me a hug. And there's Jessica Weaver. (laughs) You ready? Yeah. All right, go ahead. So I'm grateful for my second cousin, Robbie Gwynn. I'm also thankful for Celebrate Recovery. It's really strengthened and changed my life for the better. I'm also thankful for being baptized at Windsor Road Christian Church in 2013 and being, uh, and for Chris Harrison entering my life, and as always, I thank my ministers and my church family. Thank you, Jessica. God bless you. Thank you. Wow. Amen. All right. Is there anybody else that wants to share? Okay. Yeah, Helga, come on up yeah Just come on up here
1: go ahead. Go. Windsor Road has been such a blessing i got us so good to um as you know, we buried a little eleven year old girl here recently, and there was absolutely no money for a funeral the parents um family's very poor they don't even have a car. I had to go to the drive them to the funeral home to make arrangements and Windsor Road was so awesome. They had the visitation here. And this wonderful man, <laughs> pastor, said a beautiful, beautiful a sermon for her. And then they opened up their kitchen and offered food for the family and friends. It was such a blessing because there was just no money there for anything.
0: And we were able to have closure. It was such such a wonderful blessing. And I am so grateful. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Helga. Thank you for sharing that. You've been a saint to Amanda, too. You know that. Yes. So thank you. All right. You. God bless you. Good. Thank you. Yeah. All right. Yeah. No, that's fine.
1: Right there. Okay. <laughs> Hi. I'm Catherine Starbird, and um, about this time last year, I was thinking and praying, and the Lord just really put on my heart, um, again, missions. Um, and I'm, on, I'm fortunate enough to be on the missions committee, and I know one of the goals is um, the folks that we support throughout the globe in prayer and finances for um, for those folks maybe to receive a visit, um, a hands-on working side by side, and really getting a sense of of their ministry and who they are, their passions, um, and the needs in their lives, and. So here it is. It's coming on January, and I'm still praying, and I get a phone call from a real dear friend, Ruth Ezri, and a short, short story I'll go to. <laughs> um, I met with Brian Rummery and um, Losha and Lena, and like, they have the long last name, um, in Kiev, Ukraine. Um, had been in contact, and they have a school, a a class that they participate in and organize in um, the National University in Kiev, and they were looking for some teachers. Um, I was not teaching at the time. Ruth is a retired administrator in Rantoul, and um, within two weeks, we had our passports, we got our tickets, um, and I just want to thank all of you because you, this congregation, sent us across the globe to Ukraine. We were there like um, about eight or nine days, and I was teaching English to university students in this really specialized um, area at the University of Ukraine. I mean, these were the, the students. They told me that either you were brilliant you know, or you were filthy rich, and so these are the leaders of Kiev and if some of you have followed what's happening in Ukraine today, um, we Ruth and I and the crew staff, we were standing at some of the places where some of the um, the rioting and um, some of the, the all the political drama is going on today and it was just a phenomenal opportunity to um, teach them some conversational English because English is um, they feel their ticket to success in the global economy, and um, to teach them about the love of Christ, because they are so still regimented in the Soviet um, Soviet thinking, and they were just confounded. They just could not believe why these two, they called. Older women <laughs> would come across. They said their mothers wouldn't have done this, but we came across the ocean, which was fantastic, to to minister to them, to see them, to cook with them. To you know, we mopped, we cleaned, we um, we did some fantastic things. But it was through this congregation and through the grace of God that we were able to do what we did. And so um, I know if Ruth were here, she would want to thank you also. But it was um, a life changing experience for us, and we hear them also because several several people several young men who are in physics who will be I believe national maybe global leaders came to know the Lord through this through these classes so um, I thank you all
0: Wow Amen. all right all right one more hi
1: um. I don't usually, I moved away, but it's always good to come back and see you guys and see your friendly faces. Um, I just wanted to say I'm so grateful for the way the Lord um, heals, and um, whatever your heartache has been, or whatever our heart's desire is, God just, he always brings us together in a way, either if it's um, new friendships, God heals through time, um, but it's, it's the beauty of a family, the beauty of being able to... Um, share our hearts with one another, that God just, um, he's so good to us in the way that he heals us, but the way that he, he makes us stronger and, um, we're able to be there for somebody else in our, our heartache and, um, in whatever our struggles are. So I'm just grateful for the way God is just sovereign over all of our mess. So.
0: Wow. That was a good sermon, right there in that sentence, isn't it? God is sovereign over all our mess. Wow. Hmm. That takes us. Uh, that takes us to our scripture reading this morning, and um, God is sovereign over all our mess. I'm not going to forget that. Thank you. Yeah. Our scripture reading this morning is. Uh, the Old Testament book of Psalms, Psalms 126. If you have your Bibles, I'd like you to turn there. You can find um, the book of Psalms. If you just open up your Bible right in the middle, there's a good chance that you'll land in the book of Psalms. And Psalms 126 is where we are today. You'll find that on page 517 of your church Bibles. If you don't have a copy of God's Word to call your own, why, please take uh, the uh, copy there in the pouch in front of you and you'll uh, receive it as a, a gift from this grateful church family. Psalm 126. A song of ascents. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dream Then our mouth was filled with laughter And our tongue with shouts of joy. Then they said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us. We are glad. Restore our fortunes, O Lord. Like streams in the Negev. Those who sow in tears shall reap with shouts of joy. He who goes out weeping, bearing the seed for sowing shall come home with shouts of joy, bringing his sheaves with him. This is God's Word. Well, this year, a woman by the name of Edith Hutton uh, received a phone call uh, that has brought her Christmas joy. It was concerning her brother, Robert Hutton. Robert Hutton... uh, had gone missing since 1972. He was only 21 years of age at the time. And for decades, Edith Hutton and the family uh, lived in fear that Robert had been one of dozens of victims of the serial killer, John Wayne Gacy. You remember him, don't you? Edith had been uh, searching for years, hoping upon hopes that Perhaps her brother was still alive, and um, a long shot lead uh, by the Cook, Cook County Sheriff's Office led to an address in Stevensville, Montana, and one of the law enforcement officers called Edith, said, Edith, are you sitting down? And she said she could feel her heart pounding. Um. In that conversation, yes, she said, do you have news for me? I do. We have found your brother. He is alive and he is well. And Edith recalls, she said, it was like this um, hole I had not known. The size in my heart was absolutely filled and flooded. It was such fabulous news. And then she said this, uh, I was crying and laughing at the same time. Crying and laughing at the same time. This, this, uh, it's too good to be true kind of feeling. Am I dreaming? No, you're not. It's real. It's real. It's, it may feel too good to be true, but it's true. It's true. And I really think that's the spirit of this psalm that we just read here in Psalm 126. Psalm 126. It's, it's one of, uh, bundle of psalms that are gathered into what we know as the psalms of ascent the psalms of ascent the ascending psalms the climbing psalms the going up psalms going up where well going up to jerusalem god's people are ascending or climbing to jerusalem to the temple for worship and because of where jerusalem is located geographically because it's set on a hill you know, From any direction, you've got to go up. You've got to climb. You've got to ascend. And so the idea is that as God's people were making their pilgrimage to God's city to worship in God's temple, while they would go en route, they would sing. And they would sing these psalms. They would prepare to worship by worshiping. (laughs) They'd go from their homes from all over Israel, and they would travel together in community. And they dressed, they journeyed, their hearts were ready. And these psalms, Psalm 120 through 134, these 15 psalms, these bundles of psalms of ascent would get them ready. And Psalm 126 is about uh, the past and it's about the future and then how the past and the future allow us to live in the present. It's about... This psalm is about God's mighty work in the past. And then it's about a plea for God to continue his work in the future and then allowing that to inform how we're going to conduct ourselves in the present. So that's, that's kind of how I would like for us to think about Psalm 126. Let's think about remembering the past, remembering God's faithfulness. We've done that already, haven't we? And, and then let's let that be the foundation upon which we rely upon God in the future. He who promised is faithful. And then then may that give us a joy that is otherworldly. Past, future, present. That's that's how we'll proceed this morning. Beginning with the past. Remembering God's faithfulness. So out of nowhere, suddenly... God acted quickly on behalf of his people. That's what's behind verse 1. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion. What's that? When did he do that? Well, the obvious event is Israel's return from exile. When they returned from Babylonian captivity. After 70 years, the Babylonian Empire came and they left some peasants behind but basically took the bulk of the population and said, we're going to make Babylonians out of you people. And so they they carted them away to Babylon. and, And the prophets had said, this is going to happen for 70 years. And it did. But when it was over... I mean, it just came so quickly. It happened so fast. You can read about the decree of Cyrus of uh, Persia in Ezra chapter 1 verse 3. He allowed God's people to return back to their homeland. Some of them had never seen their homeland. Some of them had been born in Babylon. Others had been carted away to Babylon when they were small children, and now they're old and They're going to get to see their homeland again after all of these years. God's people were delirious with joy. That's what's behind verse 2. Then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with shouts of joy. It's the kind of joy that Edith felt. The kind of joy that makes you, it's the kind of joy that that makes you doubt. (laughs) There is a joy that makes you doubt. That's what's behind the phrase, We were like those who dream. I'm thinking of when the disciples first saw the risen Lord. He appeared right there before them. Luke 24, 41 says, They still disbelieved for joy and were marveling. Sometimes joy can cause doubt or disbelief. (laughs) It's one of those pinch me moments. Is this really happening? Yes. Yes, it's really happening. What's more, God's activity was so obvious to the nations, these outsiders, these non-Hebrew worshipers, they took note. (laughs) Listen to what the non-worshippers of Yahweh said in verse 2. Then they said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. Now think about that for a minute. A a non-Yahweh worshiper says to the rest of God's people, God's been good to you. My goodness, sometimes we need to hear that, don't we? Sometimes we need to uh, hear witnesses, other witnesses testify to God's activity in us and on our behalf so that its meaning and truth will sink into us. And so the testimony in verse 2, becomes a confession in verse 3. You see that? The Lord has done great things for them becomes, well, the Lord has done great things for us. Took a non-believer to convince you of that. Interesting, isn't it? Remembering God's faithfulness. We, you know, we could take a tour of the Bible and just highlight the places where God came at the very last second for a rescue. In one moment, there was hopelessness. But the very next moment, God's sovereignty shows up in the midst of our mess and changes everything, everything. I'm thinking about uh, when God's people were trapped at the Red Sea. Pharaoh's army was marching through. and the very next moment, the sea parts. God's people goes through, go through. And then Pharaoh's chariots and his army are smothered in water. And they're gone. I'm thinking about that ruddy shepherd boy, David, with a killer sling against Goliath. I'm thinking about Sennacherib and his 185,000 Assyrian soldiers who had surrounded Jerusalem. Do you know, archaeology tells us that in Sennacherib's diary, he wrote, he said, I had Hezekiah trapped like a bird in a cage. That's all we read. Because the very next morning, Hezekiah had prayed, and 185,000 Assyrian corpses were littered around the city. God showed up. God showed up. Why does he do that? Why does he wait till the last minute? You know why, don't you? You know why. He waits to the last minute so that it becomes absolutely clear he's the one who's doing it. That's what Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians 1, 8 through 10. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death. But that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He delivered us. From such deadly peril, and he will deliver us. On him, we have set our hope that he will deliver us again. Remembering God's faithfulness in the past. Reading helps us remember. And God's word is a diary of his faithfulness. We can count on him. The, The psalmist is pushing me here he 's challenging me, Randy. Do you really believe in a breaking into this world kind of God do you Do you really believe that god 's sovereignty is over your messes? do you, or have you bought into the to the secular virus called this world is all there is ism Henry blamis, in his excellent book, The Christian Mind, wrote a prime mark of Christianity is that it takes an eternal perspective. It looks beyond this life to another life. It is supernaturally oriented. This life is a preparation for the life to come. This life is not all there is. This life is a temporary refuge, not a final home. Christianity is about our amazing God who from his eternal throne breaks into this infinite, uh, this finite world rather. The greater breaks into the smaller And wasn't that the point of the incarnation? Remember, the psalmist says, remember God's faithfulness in the past. And just as God's people did that while they were going on their way to worship, see, we need to do that. We need to remember what God has done in the past. And you might argue with me, you may say, hey, but you don't understand things aren't going well in my life. And the psalmist would argue back. That's exactly when you need to remember God's faithfulness. Because God may be silent, but that doesn't mean he's absent. You go to the word and you remember. Remember. Remember Jesus Christ. Remember the word of the Lord. Remember God's love for you. Remember the cross. Remember the cross. What's that mean, remember the cross? It means this. It means that we are totally acceptable to God through our faith in Jesus Christ. That's what that means. It means that we are justified freely as a gift. It means that I am a winner before I start. That's what that means. It means I'm accepted before I've done anything. Isn't that a relief? (laughs) That is a relief. God starts by totally qualifying us. He will refine us later, oh yes, but he qualifies us first. We start accepted, qualified, and justified as a gift. The righteousness of Jesus Christ, freely given to me, not only to start my Christian life, but every day of my life. For he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Are we remembering that? Remember that. And and remember what God does not remember, which is in Christ, God does not remember our sins. We read to remember. Here's where it gets really practical. Um, Out in the foyer there at the Welcome Center, our... Bible reading plans one will take you through the entire Bible in one year Uh, it's a book a book at a time Bible reading plan I like the discipleship journal plan because they uh, they schedule you for about uh, in this particular plan they schedule you for about 28 days out of the month and so you have some grace days all right catch up days and I commend that plan for you. And, and there's another plan uh, which will take you through the New Testament in 2014. And it's called the 5 by 5 by 5 plan. Uh, five minutes a day, five days a week. So two days are either for catch-up or reflection on what you've read. And basically it's a chapter of the New Testament uh, every day throughout the course of the year. And uh, I would offer that plan for you as well. You can get those there at the Welcome Center. And, and um, you know, we need to think of our Bible reading time not as just another spiritual chore. We need to think of it as, as an opportunity for us to remember God's faithfulness. This book is a diary of God's faithfulness. Paul says, he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it in Christ Jesus. Remember that. And let let your Bible reading then become a prayer. Let the remembrance become prayer. That's what's happening here in Psalm 126. The memory, verses 1 through 3, now becomes prayer in verses 4 through 6 prayer regarding the future. The remembrance of God's faithfulness in the past now becomes prayerful reliance on God's provision for the future. That's what's behind verse 4. Restore our fortunes, O Lord. Restore our fortunes. Now we know what's going on in the lives of those who are in this psalm. It's messy. It's hard. There's a drought. God, we need money. Help. There's plenty to be discouraged about, and so the memory of what God has done in the past now becomes an appeal, a prayer. God, restore our fortunes. Restore our fortunes, O Lord, like streams in the Negeb. What's that? What's that? Negeb, Negeb, Negeb. The word means dry, and or south, and thus it's the southern region of Israel called the Negeb. The Negev, this arid, dry, southern region in Israel where they get maybe four to eight inches of rain per year, never between May and October, never then, only in the winter months the rains might come, might come. But when they did, they would usually come in a violent storm and those dry creek beds would flood And it would turn this parched area into lush greenery. And of course, that's the prayer here. You see? That God would transform barrenness into beauty. Into beauty. Oh, God, do that. Only you can do that. Quickly, decisively, Lord. Immediately. That's our prayer. Some of you are praying that right now. But here's where the psalm gets interesting because see the memory leads to prayer which leads to a call to action a call to action oh yes yes those who sow in tears shall reap with shouts of joy what's that about well well it's about this sometimes god acts immediately and decisively as a storm in the desert and at other times he chooses to irrigate the soil of our circumstances with our own weeping and tears. Those who sow in tears shall reap with shouts of joy. Life's hard. Life is difficult. Life is messy. And and there's still work to do. Right? There's still work to do. See, these people lived in an agricultural world. They, they were into farming. Now, you know, I... I didn't grow up in that world. I'm a city slicker, okay? But I know this much. I may be a city slicker, but I know this much. You have to plant corn in the spring, don't you? Yeah, got to plant corn in the spring. And it really doesn't matter what your emotional state is. It doesn't matter how you feel. When it's springtime, you have to plant. That's the window of opportunity. And so, so we're getting pushed. We're getting challenged here. Sometimes there's work to do even when there are things in life that make us cry because the corn won't wait until you stop crying And the soybeans won't pass the time until you get all your problems solved. Listen, if you want to eat in the fall, you've got to go out in the field and plant. Whether you're weeping or laughing, whether you're emotionally up for it or not, there's still work to do. And if you fail to plant in the spring because your heart hurts, well, you can do that if you want. But come fall, you'll have a hurting heart and a hungry stomach. On the other hand, if you say, oh, you know, my heart breaks, I'm weeping. I'm weep. I weep when I get up. I weep when I fix my coffee, I'm weep when I'm out of coffee, I weep when I get a text, I weep for every reason and no reason. I'm just weepy. But there's seed to plant. So I'm going to weep and plant. I'm going to sow in tears. Not because the sowing is so difficult. It's because life is difficult. Verse 6. He who goes out weeping, bearing the seed for sowing, shall come home with shouts of joy, bringing his sheaves with him. Now, here's the question. Do you know why the tears of sowing produce the joy of reaping? Do you know why the tears of sowing produce the joy of reaping? Here's why. Here's why. Tears of sowing produce the joy of reaping because sowing produces reaping. That's why. And you must remember that when you're so sad you don't want to sow. Some jobs are just so straightforward. You're sad. The tears are flowing. Go ahead. Do them while you cry. Just have a little talk with your tears. Tears, I I feel your pain. You make me want to quit life. But there is a field to be sown. There are dishes to be washed. There's a car to be fixed. There's a sermon to be written. And I know that you will wet my face several times a day. But I have work to do and you're just going to have to come along with me. I'm going to take this bag of seeds and I'm going to sow those seeds. And if you just come along with me, then you can irrigate the rose. And, and when you do that, by the way, that's faith. Faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. God is substantial. I will therefore hope in him. God is evidential. I will therefore sow. And you must know that when you do, God never wastes those tears. He uses the tears to irrigate whatever else is going on in your life so that a harvest will happen. And that leads us to the present. It's rice mac dab in the middle of the psalm. You see it there? Verse 3b, we are glad. We are glad. Having remembered the past, having, having come to God, appealing for Him for the future, we are resting in His joy. And joy is not what we find in the absence of pain or hardship. Joy is right there in the negab, right there in the desert, right there in the loneliness, right there in the hurt. It's right there in the frustration of a life that's not going the way we'd like. The middle of the psalm. We are glad, present tense. Verses one through three deal with what God did in the past. Verses 4 through 6, look ahead and hope with what God will do in the future. A hope that leads me to read and remember God's word. A hope that leads me to look forward to the gathering of God's people. And the most surprising thing we learn, that even in the midst of our arid desert-like circumstance, as we gather together, remembering the past, looking ahead to the future, relying on God, guess, guess what we get ambushed by? Joy rest. Right smack dab in the middle of this psalm, we are glad. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. So, it's time, uh, it's time for us to Remember the past, look ahead to the future, and have joy in the present. And here's how we're going to do that. Uh, every week we share the Lord's Supper, which is about the past. It's about what Jesus Christ did on the cross for us. He is our righteousness. And we're going to do that. We're going to remember that. We have uh, uh, communion emblems around the side. If you're a Christian, if uh, Jesus is your king, then this, don't feel like you need to be a member here at Windsor Road. This is for you. Um, you come and you share around the Lord's table, remembering his past faithfulness. And then, and then we're going to have something that leads us to the future, and that's our offering. That's, that's what the offering is, right? It's saying, God, here. Here's the first portion of what you have given, and uh, God blessed this. We know that you will come through. Past, future you your offering in those boxes that are around, in gratitude to God, relying on Him for His provisions, past, future, and then present. That takes me to this little card here that's on the seat in front of you. Um, I'm so thankful for you. I, here is where, right here in the present, after you've, uh, after you've uh, remembered. God's goodness in the past, and you're looking ahead to the future, I, I would like for you uh, to, to just write a note of encouragement, gratitude, thanksgiving, appreciation uh, to one of your brothers and sisters in Christ here, and, uh, I, and uh, it was so beautiful to see this first service as folks came they uh, received communion, and uh, they gave their offering, and then uh, they, they, they wrote a note, and then they just don't, don't wait to mail it tomorrow. You take it to the person right here today. Maybe that person is, uh, in, you know, in, uh, uh, working with our children right now, ministering to them, and you just want to encourage them. But uh, what we want to see is just people coming back and forth across this gathering room, loving on one another, uh, uh, Being glad in the goodness of God for being in community and coming together. Uh, Listen, gratitude's a discipline. It is a discipline. It's a discipline that we need to practice because of God's faithfulness in the past, because we're relying upon Him in the future, and because we know, we know we're already qualified through Christ We can rest in the joy for today. So I'm going to pray. Let's receive communion, give our offering, and then go love on someone. Amen.